0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. Mike Venoy, Vice President of Marketing at Assure. And today we're going to take a topic that uh, it's of increasing interest. um, But I think for some clients, some businesses, uh, they need this and don't even know it. So uh, this whole topic of of doing business or hiring in multiple states uh, and what you need to know to be compliant. So uh, say back in the good old days of 2019, pre-pandemic, I mean, we were clearly you know, a, a couple decades into this kind of a flexible work uh, megatrend, right? Where uh, people worked increasingly from home, from the coffee shop. Um, uh, but, th- but the pandemic really was a, an inflection point for a lot of businesses where all of a sudden they had people starting to uh, work, call, call it full-time from home or full-time virtually as, as offices closed. And as businesses opened back up, some of those models have, have stayed in place and we see businesses every day that are out of compliance and have no idea. Uh, and that's because uh, most states, most uh, municipalities, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're taxing, their licensing, their business structures are built around where work is performed, where customers are served. So if you have, uh, I, I live in St. Louis, if uh, everybody came to your downtown office and uh, in, in, in performed their work in St. Louis, um uh you had a bunch of st louis uh employees but all, all of a sudden there uh those people who drove across the river from the illinois side start working from home and they're performing their work uh in illinois there's could be different taxing uh uh consequences that you had no idea right uh just because you had to send someone home so there's a whole lot more to it I can't do it all myself. I've got a great expert as my guest today, James Gilmer. Uh, uh, he comes from the, the Harbor Group at Harbor Compliance. Uh, James is a senior member of the Harbor Compliance team. He's got a diverse background in nonprofit leadership, corporate compliance, and strategic partnerships. Uh, over his tenure, James has handled more than 25,000 filing transactions for more than 3,000 organizations, 3,000 businesses. He's passionate about educating and consulting with executives on their compliance strategy. So James, welcome to the conversation.
1: Well, Mike, thank you to you and the Assure team for having me on today. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this uh, subject of multi-state compliance and hiring out of state because you're right, this is a topic that since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic has just exploded. Really doesn't look like we're turning back from that uh and, and i love that you cited st louis i think i use kansas city as my example because there's people popping yeah. over from from kansas right. so <laughs> great great minds think alike so really really glad to be here
0: yeah and you know and and i think just when i think timeliness here the the, the mega trend was well underway not just from say virtual work from home but as we enter more of uh the, the gig economy right where people have a primary job and it's with increasing frequency they have a side hustle they might have two or three part-time jobs that they work because that's how they just want to manage their life right and so maybe i'm a, a driver part of my day maybe i've got a, a, a 30 hour a week uh traditional job over here and maybe i've got uh a, an llc uh that, of my side hustle so this becomes increasingly complex mm-hmm. as i think the way we do business becomes more and more fractionalized uh, uh, between traditional businesses, W2s, 1099s, and in the gig economy. That just I, this isn't going away. This is going to do nothing but get more complex. Would you agree? Yeah,
1: yeah. There's no doubt that it, it is. It is already complex. It's going to get more uh, challenging, especially as government agencies that have been affected by the same pandemic have um, staffing. Uh, you know, they, they have constraints around their resources, the ability to process applications. Many are moving to online systems to uh, streamline the application process, but that means better data on those companies that are registering properly, as well as those that don't or those that are falling behind. Uh, so a big part of what we'll talk about today is that landscape broadly, and then hopefully address some some examples and ways that, you know, whether it is a, a established company let's call it that has w2 employees multiple states and then there are folks probably listening in that are setting up their own company and it's a a new revenue stream maybe it's a a side hustle it's a passion project call it what you want but those same requirements do apply and and nobody wants to be caught unawares
0: yeah you know it's interesting you say uh you you rightly note that states all all agencies they're affected by the same pandemic that everyone else was and they have real staffing challenges to this day um uh but not just staffing challenges revenue challenges right Mm -hmm. and so uh i remember you know 20 years ago being being the payroll business for a long time um uh learning about professional sports and we were doing payroll for a professional baseball team major league baseball Mm -hmm. team Uh, is really interesting because it was my first exposure to uh, multi-state uh, taxation for an employee. So, you you know, you or I, we go across the river from uh, the, uh, Kansas City, St. Louis, wherever our use case is. Uh, does the state really know? They, they, they probably don't know. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be compliant. We'll talk about that. But they darn well know when a major league baseball player making $20 million a year is playing in that city and that player's contract says that they earned Two hundred fifty thousand dollars for playing that game in their city. They want their taxes, right? And so. Oh yeah,
1: that'll pop up on the radar for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And so, uh, where it has been obvious in in uh, use cases like professional sports, because you're talking big money and it's obvious a person is performing the work, so to speak, in your city or your state. Um, the 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 message is really the same. As people work more and more virtually. And therefore, we have, see a talent pool that is more diverse, and we can hire a uh, uh, better talent, less expensive talent, uh, talent that is just better aligned to our mission, vision, values, uh, where the, the where geography doesn't matter. This this continues to to compound. So, all right, I, I digress. I'll, 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 why don't you first, maybe James, just kind of take us through a, a primer on entity compliance? I think this is the thing that people don't even think is right uh we talk on the show weekly about hr compliance and payroll tax compliance what the heck do you mean by entity compliance
1: yeah and it's important to understand that when you're hiring out of state and you 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 think the word payroll that there's a couple of steps involved right it's it's not just oh i need a withholding account i'm going to jump in go there's there's a few steps involved so a huge part of uh you know, what we'll talk about today and what I discuss elsewhere with my clients uh, is the multiple steps and how do you not only take those in stride, but develop the internal resources and strategies to be able to do that, to be able to hire, meet your objectives. So, the very first thing to your point that comes up is this idea of business entity compliance. So, it's a step removed from payroll tax, you know, registration, but it's important to have this fundamental understanding. So when we're talking about the business entity, this is simply your LLC, this is your corporation, however you've structured your business. Um, and that that is really the building block, um, and the first step to registering in any state is typically registration of that entity. So if you're an entrepreneur, maybe you filed articles of incorporation to create your company in, in Delaware, amazing you're hiring in other states, a lot of times having an employee, having a physical presence of some kind is enough to require the registration of that legal entity first. So now you have your Delaware Corporation. Now it's also registered with the Secretary of State of California or Colorado or New York, all of these different places. So before we even talk about tax, you have this first level of Going through applications with governments, fees, ongoing requirements. So I'll stop there. Uh, you know, there, Mike, did you have any any follow up questions on that? Because there's there's a lot there's a lot that goes into registering the entity.
0: So, so I, I mean, I don't want to turn this into like some over pitch for either one of us here, but I mean, how without a hardware compliance, how would an employer know? So I, you know, they filed their articles in corporation. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's just local because, you know, I, I did Missouri because I happen to live in Missouri, and that's what I think I'm supposed to. do. Maybe I'm, I'm a little more sophisticated. I have some uh, good reasons I did it in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then my first hire is somebody who, who uh, I found online. Now they applied with via Indeed, uh, and they were awesome, and they lived in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, yeah. h- how, how would I know what I need to do? What entity? requirements there are in Iowa, or let alone Cedar Rapids?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple ways to answer that question. First and foremost, the way that the state requirements are written when it comes to business entity registration, they're fairly uniform. You will have state by state nuance, and you will have case law in each state that have interpreted those requirements differently. But fundamentally, uh, and generally, the requirement to register the entity is based on having a physical presence, which in this context of today's discussion might be hiring an employee, but it could be anything, right? It could be having a warehouse, an office building, ongoing or, or regular transactions. Um, there, there's there's a whole bunch of things that a business can do in the this you know singular form or the composite that would put them you know in, in the area of having that nexus and needing to register. Um the other thing is sometimes when you go to register for your state payroll tax, it's gonna ask you what's your Iowa Secretary of State ID or what's your you know registered agent in that state. And then it's like, huh? Oh, and I, I can't tell you the number of times where I've had a client attempt to register and they say they throw their hands up and say, What in the world is this? And then I have to say, okay, well then let's let's take care of this. We call it a prerequisite, this first step uh to registering the the business entity first. Um Whenever there's doubt, though, the, the client's legal counsel is a great resource to saying, "Hey, this is this is sufficient to trigger the registration," uh, and then that's where whoever handles those filings, that registration function, they'll they'll take that uh, advice and run with it.
0: So, James, just just to be clear for our audience here, so because we talk a lot on the show about multi-state taxation, we're going to get to that. But we're talking about here this is the actual entity of the business, right? The the like the articles of incorporation. The 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 can you, can you put some some more definition around this? Is this just as narrow as my LLC? What if I'm a multi-location business and uh, each location has its own LLC, or maybe I'm a maybe I'm a sole proprietor? Can talk talk us through the different legal structures as that may or may not pertain in locations as that may or may not pertain to entity compliance.
1: Yeah. So when you have, again, your, your single LLC or your single corporation are your building blocks of, of all of this. And when you register that in multiple States where you have an organization that has that has multiple entities within its portfolio, the challenge, um, Especially in the United States, is that every state's requirement is different, and those requirements are different based on the type of entity that you have. So, just for example, um, the filing fees. It costs more to register an LLC in Massachusetts, five hundred twenty dollars, than it does to register in um, Colorado, which I think is is fifty dollars. Uh, and then on an ongoing basis, you have annual reporting requirements, uh, which are information updates to the Secretary of State, which taken by themselves, pretty straightforward information is required, but you have deadlines coming up throughout the year because there's no consistency. And so whether, again, you have one LLC that's registering in multiple states or you have a portfolio of of entities that each have different activities, different uh, locations, to your point, uh, you, you need a way to stay on top of, okay, when did they register? Who are the registered agents in that state? What are the annual reporting deadlines? and that's that's for a larger company a heck of a lot of administrative act, uh, act, uh, you know responsibility to stay on top of all of that.
0: James, how does uh, so like some use cases are pretty black and white right? If I run a restaurant, um, my place of business uh, where, where employees work, and where I do business, where I serve customers, is is tied to geography, even if it's a takeout business, right? Um, but if I'm an architectural firm, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, people can work virtual. I might generally have an office. I could serve customers via Zoom. How, how how should how should employers, large and small, be thinking about uh is this a problem for me just because I have, say, employees, well, and, and I, don't, I don't want to jump about too much and to talk about payroll tax, but from the entity side, um, what, maybe put some meat on the bone around serving customers. What is, what is the definition of doing business? Um, and maybe I'm assuming that's somewhat uniform, but very state by state.
1: Well, the, the challenge that, Answering that question creates is uh, the way the the statutes are written is actually in the negative. They'll list out commonly the things that do not constitute transacting business, and then let okay. what does constitute transacting business up to the business to decide for itself. Uh, of course, in conjunction with its legal counsel. So as a as a service company, we we don't provide that level of legal advice. Um, we yeah. would defer to the, the client to to look at their situation um, with their counsel. But again, there's, you know, in this economy in the way that we do business now, it might not just be having an employee in isolation. So you used the example of an architect uh, architecture firm, yeah. maybe creating design, sealing documents and stuff. I, I mean, that for just for the purposes of having a license with the architecture board of that state may need to have, and likely does need to have, the entity registered. Maybe there's a customer that's looking for proof of corporate good standing to be able to uh, hire them. And these are these are reasons that um, could be considered one-off, that maybe they're not predictable, but you know, businesses really need to be thinking about anything in the state and that just the, the potential for, for needing it. Yeah. And one of the things that we, we get asked this all the time, like, what if we just don't? What, what if we fly under the radar? And everybody's, uh, you know, head goes right towards fines and penalties. Is the state really going to find out? Are they going to slap me on the wrist? Is there going to be a penalty? Yeah, I mean, every state has that ability, but what does it mean for your ability to do business generally, right? Can you hire that employee? Can you bring on that client? Can you open that office? Um, obtain that, <laughs> obtain that permit. You know, the list goes on and on. Um of things that you could be delayed on or or worse lose out on if the proper registrations aren't in place
0: james so I mean we're a compliance company first um and so we would never suggest any we we always the purpose of the show is really to help businesses and employers understand how to comply with mm-hmm. with, with laws right um we exactly. never usurp them um but one of the things we always try to do is is kind of give a gauge for like what's the consequence of not right um uh my experience is that most entrepreneurs most small in growing mid-sized companies uh they're white knuckling it they they they're going down the road i'm trying to grow my landscaping business i'm trying to grow my architectural firm I'm trying to survive in a pandemic with my restaurant uh, mm-hmm. uh, right um and they know everything there is to know about their industry and serving their customers and their suppliers and their supply chain and all that and they know nothing about this crazy ever-changing landscape of of you know what i always talk about as hr laws but now you know, just entity uh compliance as well how should someone other than just a binary yes no how should someone be thinking about the consequences of noncompliance? Can, can you give some specific examples of you know what bad thing happens if you don't?
1: Yeah, I, I can. So the the first thing that I will say, and I'll probably repeat this a couple more times during the show, being proactive is so important. And taking the time to research what requirements are. Um, and being prepared for them to make a decision to do or not to do something makes a big difference when it comes time to actually execute on that. So nobody wants to be in a position where they're about to hire a rock star employee and they realize, oh no, I don't have any of the registrations in place, right? You want that person to start producing for you, doing that amazing work. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll circle back to that a few times later on. But the the thing is, it it these requirements are there, they're statutory, they, they really need to be viewed as uh, just part of doing business. And let's take for example, doing business in Texas, um, let's take our Delaware Corporation, Texas yeah. does require uh, registration of the legal entity, um, you know, for a variety of reasons. And the Secretary of State asks on the form, when did you start doing business? Or what is the date that you started transacting business in our state? And they assess, I believe it's a $750 penalty when that date exceeds like 60 or 90 days. And it only goes up. So I've seen businesses operating in Texas years and years and then they finally register with the Secretary of State and then they come out with a four or five figure penalty assessed by the Secretary of State. So, yeah. yes, Texas has very high registration fees for the the business entity seven hundred fifty dollars just to get into the state. Then you have all your tax you know franchise tax, unemployment tax, all the other stuff um yeah. but if if you you skip out that step or you're not aware or you delay, then you really put yourself on the hook for a a big financial hit and it was it was preventable right you, you can you can you can look at what you're about to do in Texas and um, you know it it's not fun I, I don't necessarily like t- telling clients they have to pay a $750 registration fee but it's better than the alternative of of thousands
0: yeah right uh, Jim so we're talking about so the the umbrella of compliance for entity compliance uh, obviously, there's a, a a big component that's around state registration, right? Uh, registering with the state. We, we, you know, everybody would think if you listen to this, you know that you got to register your your EIN with a federal federal uh, employee identification number. Um, uh, you got to register with the state, create the create your LLC. But what about uh, municipalities? What about counties and cities and business licenses and industry licenses? I I think this is I, I, I've, I've talked to entrepreneurs uh, during the pandemic that uh, they had challenges getting stimulus money because they turned out to not be have, have business licenses that were much more localized. It wasn't state uh, a, a entity. can you can you speak into that?
1: Yeah, um that is undoubtedly more complex than payroll, I think, is the local business licenses, local tax requirements. There's something like 180,000 licensing jurisdictions in the United States. Wow. Yeah, at the, wow. at the federal, state and local level. So it would be impossible for uh, me to sit here and try to li- list every every case, every possibility. The, the way that businesses can consider approaching it is again, being proactive. So when you're going into a new jurisdiction, let's say you're opening an office in St. Louis, you know, looking at, okay, what are the state requirements for the entity, state requirements for tax, state requirements for uh, the license, and then you get into that local level. Okay, so is there a general business license? Is there a license for my uh, industry? Do I need to register for any sort of taxes in that place? Uh, And kind of repeating the process. And that takes time. That's, That's the biggest thing that entrepreneurs and established businesses don't realize, it takes time to do all that research. And then when it comes down to setting up your list and and taking care of all the applications, and this is gonna, you know, we'll, this will kind of get into the, uh, what we'll talk about later with payroll tax registrations, getting all that information. You think, oh, it's just a form. It's easy, I'll fill it out.
0: Yeah,
1: it's 3, 3 p.m. I'll have it done by close of business. You won't, you won't because you need entity data that's probably in your legal department. Uh, you'll you'll need some taxable activity information that might be in tax, it might be in HR, because they they know when the employee is going to start. You might need to get uh, sensitive records to submit with the application. You might need to contact an owner or offer management for a signature, uh, and putting all that together, that takes time. And then then you submit it. You wait for the agency. It, it all takes time. So being being proactive with all that stuff uh, is is so very important. You can't just and jump
0: in. The- and James, what's going through my mind is all those exact same steps. So like, if you're a mid-sized company, you got these, you know, I got, I go to a legal department, I go to an owner for a signature, I go to these places and that there's that complexity, but, uh, God forbid, I'm the entrepreneur. I've got 20 employees. Uh, I run hair salon. And so I'm behind the chair, uh, cutting hair, styling hair during the day running payroll and administration at night. Um, and this is nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night after the kids go to bed, Uh, Just not that it's hard, but finding the places to go to get information out of your systems. You need something from your CPA to be able to fill out this form, but it's after business hours. Just the administration of uh, and and kind of pain in the butt uh, uh, complexity uh, uh, of having to fill it all out and submit it, track it. uh, I, I almost feel like that's maybe the hardest part for. For small business owners, am I am I thinking about this right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you are. And it's kind of like that that middle school book report. You you try to wait until 10 p.m. the night before it's due, and then all of a sudden you you just don't get it done, or you you get a bad grade on the assignment. Uh, you you really have to uh, take the time to plan out what you're gonna do. It relieves pressure by taking that that longer look of things. Uh, so that you can meet your deadline. You're not going to be uh, stressed or have to tell the candidate, hey, you know, we can't pay you. That's that's not a good look or or tell the, the payroll company, hey, I don't have these IDs. And, um, you know, that that causes a snag in, in your workflow. There, there's a whole lot of things that, um, you know, can go wrong. And that's why we like to educate. So for example, Harbor Compliance, we have an information center. There's about four or 5,000 pages of free state-specific content on registering your business entity, registering for taxes, and not just payroll by the way, like sales tax, that's a huge uh, topic these days as well with Wayfair and and COVID, Uh, all of your licenses, whether it's general or industry specific. And that's a resource that we make public uh, we We put a lot of time and and resources into keeping it current for those very same business owners so that when they're googling uh, you know late at night after they finish a day at the salon that there is something out there and then of course as a as a service, we can help with that and 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 you uh, have services as well to to take care of those those responsibilities but there are there are ways that and even if you're doing it yourself there's you're not without help entirely
0: right. James, is there anything else you want to say on entity compliance before we start moving into state payroll taxes?
1: I think the very last thing on business entity compliance. Um it, it comes down to the, the ongoing requirements as well. It's not just a one time setup. All right. ongoing...
0: right. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great
1: point. Yeah. yeah. So you have to have your registered agent to receive lawsuits, serves a process. Hopefully you don't get sued often or ever, but again, it's a statutory requirement. You need to have a reliable reliable, um, designee there, and then those annual reporting requirements. So as we talk, uh, as we will with payroll, you do need to have the right uh, vendors and technologies and systems to stay on top of all that stuff.
0: So maybe close out if you could uh, James, and, and maybe I'm not setting this up properly, but the way my brain is working, I'm thinking what is the, what is the hierarchy about how how an employer should be thinking about this from the federal mm-hmm. to the state to the local how do I how do I get in compliance how how do I research uh, and then how do I stay in compliance is there can you just kind of
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, so chances chances are you've already set up your company whether it's an LLC corporation you have your EIN. The yeah. next step and you're going to repeat this every time you go into a new state You're going to say, okay, this is what I'm up to. This is where that activity is going to take place down to the local level, right? The first thing you're going to do is look across all those agencies. What are the requirements? Most often it's going to be your legal entity first. So you're going to, the process is called foreign qualification with that secretary of state. Then you'll typically go out, open your state tax accounts. So uh, employer withholding, unemployment, sales, whatever you're up to, from there, you get into that local level, you know, or or yeah. maybe your state level license, if there is one. Then you'll get into your local licenses, your local tax accounts. The, there, there's too many to try to name off here, but right. you're really going to go in that order most of the time because you're going to need information from the previous step to move on. Um, and the the legal entity that we just talked about is that first step. It is that building block.
0: Got it. Okay, so back to our hair salon example. I get my EIN at the federal level for my entity. I register with Secretary of State, uh, uh, my entity with, uh, uh, so Missouri, because I'm in St. Louis. And then I have uh, five locations spread around the greater metro area. Probably all five or some of those have local those local townships or local cities are going to have their own business license requirements um and then once i get it all done now i've got to put it in the tickler file to know when each one must be renewed each year is that kind of a good way to think of it that
1: that's uh that's a good way to think of it so um thankfully your your salon example it um, takes a little bit of time to open up the location, kind of look at it. what's, what's uh, the requirement of that township securing the lease. It's not just jumping in. So you do have some time to look at the requirements. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the other challenge is keeping up with or keeping records, right? You're going to have a ton of registration certificates yeah. Um, yeah. as you go. And then you have ongoing renewals. You might have interim reports. What if something changes? What if, gosh, what if your ownership changes? What if your your address changes or contact? All of this has to be wheel and spoked out. So we, we've built a software to help clients track all that when it comes to their entities and licenses. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, but most of the businesses that we come into contact with are not doing it uh, efficiently. It's a spreadsheet. It's Outlook. It's in two different departments, three different departments. Nobody's doing it at all. And there's a whole bunch of things that can cause yeah. challenges when this isn't centralized.
0: And I would say, and I'm not taking a shot at my fellow entrepreneurs here, but I think an awful lot of us, if you're doing like Excel, that means you're probably doing a good job. You're managing it. Most probably wait to wait to be notified in their inbox saying, hey, time, time to renew. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that and, and, and that's where we fall and, and get into trouble. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, and
1: Mike, you probably see right. this with your your revenue, agent, your revenue authorities. Not all of them will inform the business that some things do. They put it it falls incumbent on that company to keep track of its deadlines and, and register a new report on time. So waiting for that tickler to come doesn't often happen.
0: Yeah, that, that's right. Or it comes in a piece of mail to a front desk that gets discarded as, as uh, uh, it, it gets not to either discarded as junk mail or not taken seriously and passed on to the owner to act upon. I mean, I've seen, I've seen endless uh, horror stories on you know the the agency whatever it is whether it's a, a licensing uh, uh, it, entity uh, 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 business license of a city it could be uh, a, a state taxing authority um, you know they're going to rely hey we sent you the piece of mail I got proof of it right here uh, whether you received it or acted on it is completely different different story you have to be proactive and manage this stuff
1: absolutely absolutely so you already to Let's talk
0: tax. On. Yeah, let's move on to tax. So um, I feel like this one is as complex, maybe more complex and simpler. The hierarchy way to think about this one is perhaps simpler, but there's more moving parts. Uh, Why don't you uh, you unpack this one for us?
1: Yeah, so this is why a lot of us are here, right? How do I get uh, my state withholding uh, account? How do I register for state unemployment? I need these things because the is asking me for them, right? And once you register the, the business entity, once you've registered your LLC or your corporation with the secretary of state, now you're moving on to a next step with revenue authorities. And the challenge in a lot of states is you have, we, we, we call it payroll taxes, but it's more than one. In a lot of places, right? You have your withholding, you have your employment. California has four different payroll taxes. Pennsylvania has three. What do you do? How do you approach this situation? Um, and the reality is you have to know first what agency to start with, right? So a lot of times it's it's a department of revenue, um, but in others it's it's bifurcated. You have a, a separate agency, a, a department of uh, employer services or department of labor administering the unemployment because it originated from a, a federal program in the 30s. So now you have registration with the Secretary of State, registration with Revenue, registration with Department of Labor. That's three different agencies that you have to to work your way through to get the, the stuff you need to bring on onboard, hire and pay your employees. Um, so again, proactive mindset, looking at all these requirements or working with somebody who who does know What they're doing in each state is so important so you can meet your your goals um now you you mentioned the information and i think that's uh very important mike when you're registering something like an llc with the secretary of state it's not easy most businesses don't love doing it but it's it's not all that complicated in terms of what's needed addresses names of officers directors or, or members managers not all that intensive but when you get into your state tax registrations the information really ratchets up so not only are you providing that same basic core company information you need how the company's taxed at the federal level is it an s corp is it a partnership is it uh, a c corp is it something else is it a non if it's a 501c good luck it's very challenging when you're, you're dealing with unemployment right uh you get into ownership and it's not just names it's home addresses dates of birth social security numbers sensitive information that you know as a service company we get asked why do you need this uh and certainly if you're tasked with doing this inside of your own company and you you ask your your company owner hey what's your social security number you really need to be able to show exactly why And, and you can say here's the form But it's this this additional level of information that's required, and then you get into what you're up to in that state, right? When are you hiring this employee? When's the first date that you're going to pay wages? Um, When it comes to unemployment, like what was the first day that you exceeded $1,500 in wages or you had more than four employees? You get into all these nuanced questions that, depending on the organization who's tasked with it, it's it's a fact-finding mission that it is a large body of administrative work that you need to be prepared to do so that when you get into each of these different agencies you have all the information handy Uh, and that that's a project in and of itself
0: James, i I think about you know if i'm if i'm a bigger company um maybe i have a director of finance who's pretty knowledgeable in the tax world and uh maybe a vp finance cfo even um who really is has a career uh in competencies in these areas maybe i've got at that point i've got a, a payroll manager who is a dedicated payroll manager doesn't do all their functions they're certified by the apa the american payroll association um a lot of moving parts but they got it um i, I think about the that the 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 small business right uh mm-hmm. where uh, I literally, I got 15 employees and somebody from across the river, uh, applied uh, and they were an awesome candidate. So I just hired them. I didn't, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm an expert in remodeling kitchens and baths and helping you make your home look beautiful and hiring great contractors and, 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 and construction guys to, to help me out. I don't, I don't know anything about this stuff and, and because of that, I don't even think about it. So, um, what What's your guidance for the small business or growing business uh, that just, dare I say, accidentally uh, doesn't even think about anything about hiring somebody from another state?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, a short story. I was working with a Maryland-based company. I was talking to their CFO, and on our call, she told me that they had an employee starting in the state of New York in a month. And she figured like that's plenty of time, it's a month, I'm super busy, I'm an executive, I've got a ton of stuff to do. Who wouldn't yeah. say that, right? And she said she'd turn her attention to registering the week that the employee starts. Now, the Department of State in New York takes three or four weeks alone to process a foreign entity registration. That's step number one. Then you you have to go over to the Department of Tax and Finance making sure you have all the information submitting that you're adding another like three or four weeks on top of that. So that's like a six to eight week total timeframe for that business. And we're, we're good. We know how to get this stuff done, but agencies are going to move at their pace. So really the best time for that business would have been month (laughs) before she called me Uh, and probably the second best time would have been right there and getting it going. The, the requirements are what they are, but you're you're not you're not usually going to be in a position to change the government processing time. So unfortunately, if you find yourself in that position where you know it's required, get get on it. Is is the answer?
0: And I'm not looking to scare anybody listening today, but it's important to understand consequences of not doing this. I I worry more for the person. So that person, they at least knew to call you, or they at least mm-hmm. knew to to call the agency to do it. They just happen to be missing, uh, not understand the lead times required. Mm-hmm. I'm more concerned for the entrepreneur who just doesn't even know, right? They hire the person a, from a different state, and they had no clue, and they start they start paying them. Forget the lead time, they just start mm-hmm. paying them, mm-hmm. um, and they're out of compliance in a in a terrible way, um, without any, ever knowing it. And this could go on for a long time. Um, Can you just talk about the consequences on the tax side for doing it wrong, not being compliant?
1: Yeah, and it's almost, ironically, I kind of want to ask you the same question. I mean, what we see is is a business that knows they've been employing for a while. They need the ID because Assure, whoever their payroll provider is asking for it. Um, We know that generally there's going to be Penalties that increase the longer this activity goes on. You've probably seen some specific horror stories that, yeah. um, you know, based on specific examples. We we typically get get that like eleventh hour phone call saying, "Help me!" like right away. <laughs> um, you're but call, the, they're re- calling
0: you after they realized, "Oh my gosh, we actually have to do something." So you're getting it downstream from that, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where you know we work so well with Assure and and providers. Um, that that do this stuff because um, you're in a position to ask for the IDs we're in the position to secure them um, yeah. it, it really it really makes a good um, good fit but to your, your first question how does a business you know even know where to start I mean sessions like this are a great. Starting point. So the the more broadly we can share this and people tune in, that's amazing. Information center, the resource that we've built, it is amazing. Um, but the it, it, businesses kind of just are expected to know. That's the way that yeah. compliance requirements in the United States are set up and if there's entrepreneurs listening I know you're trying to get to revenue quickly you're trying to get your product out the door you found an amazing CTO in the next state awesome do those things but again part of your process part of the ongoing responsibility and call it a cost if you want or call it an opportunity because it's going to unlock a lot of the ability to do these things is your out-of-state compliance so however you do it. If you're a DIY person, you have legal counsel, you have an attorney or an accountant, whatever you use to help you get into that state, um, you know, you really need to build that into your, your thinking.
0: I swear if, if entrepreneurs had any idea, the legal requirements on them in, in areas that they had no idea whether it's entity registration, uh, business licenses, uh, 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 LLC re- registrations, the the truly countless number of HR laws that all layer on top of each other, frequently contradicting each other. If you had any idea how hard it was, many would never start. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is, which is which is why why somebody needed help. Um, any other advice here about what makes registering uh these entities from a payroll tax perspective tricky what are are the some so if you got a got a small mid-sized business and they're on it they're managing this proactively Mm -hmm. um what are the challenges that they still face
1: yeah i I think again compliance and these registrations are viewed as straightforward or low skill or um, you know, just something you can pass off to junior level, admin, um, so you know, paralegal, somebody lower in, in, you know, whatever department. And the reality is it takes expertise to source the information, to know where to go when it comes to a, a government website, know how to get everything submitted properly, work with the payroll provider to get them the information they need. Maybe there's there's some troubleshooting. Maybe the state loses the application or makes an error. It it can happen, right? It's yeah, the, right. the people too. Um, it, it becomes a project. So there there's some there's some project management skills there that that are really essential. And the other thing is like when you have a state take Minnesota, for example Minnesota lets you register for employer withholding uh, for an employer withholding account you know whenever you need to but for the unemployment tax account it's a separate agency and you can't register until after wages have been paid mm. so let's let's say you're trying to be proactive with the first part but you have to wait for the second one now you have a, a period of time where uh, you know you can 't forget first and foremost, uh, and then you you might have a payroll company saying hey where 's your employment uh, unemployment ID where where is it where And you have to explain, look it 's not available because this is the state 's process and, and so somebody's really having to give their attention, then keep their attention there for the duration of that and again it 's not just something where you can pop in and get it done handed off. You really have to uh, dedicate some resources for that period of time to ensure
0: that the company gets properly registered. James, I think maybe put a, a, a tie-off on this section here. It's uh, entity compliance and payroll taxes are two separate things, clearly, but the way you approach both from a compliance standpoint and not the actual paying of taxes, that's kind of a payroll world, a different topic, uh, but the registering with the taxing agencies, um, the approach is the same, right? I mean, there's a federal uh, top layer, there's a state, but you got to research each state that you're doing business or hiring employees. And then there's local. Um, This sounds like if I don't want to, I don't want to understate this, it sounds like each thing in and of itself isn't extremely difficult but it, A, requires the knowledge of what you even have to do in the first place. That's mm-hmm. the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And then really then it's an administrative pain in the rear to actually do it and keep up on it and keep them all current.
1: You know, you're, your, you're, you're exactly right. And going back to that first example, whether you have that single LLC in multiple states or that multiple you know, location or multiple LLCs all over the place, like we, we were just talking about one state there. Imagine going through that every <laughs> single time yeah, and that's why part of our messaging is you can't just trivialize the stuff. It's not just filings to be done. You do need uh, a mindset, a strategy, and you need the right resources and technologies to go out and be able to do this stuff well without drowning in red tape or not being able to get your payroll uh, company the stuff they need or, or to be able to hire or execute on your organization's
0: goals. Yeah, right. Um what, what what are some of the big questions that you that, that you face you know I, go ahead
1: yeah well i mean i think i think we covered a lot of them how, how long does it take um that's the biggest one i think anytime you're about to go into a new state giving yourself a two or three month lead time is is reasonable and that may come as a shock to some people we know that businesses are hiring as much as they can, right? It's a, it's an employee driven economy. You're, you're gonna try to get that top talent in the door as soon as possible, but perfect world. I mean, it, it takes time for these registrations to go through. So if you can uh, somehow make that work, do it. And, and if not, you know, the second best time is now. Um, the other question that we get is, is what does it cost? What does it cost to register out of state? Um, and this is one where Thankfully, when it comes to registering for state payroll taxes, you're not going to pay any kind of registration fee. Uh, you're going to already pay taxes. That would be uh, kind of, kind of adding—forget uh, uh, the phrase—and just you know, pain to the pain to the punishment or whatever to, to have yeah. to register, pay taxes. But uh, you know, when when you get into the the legal entity stuff, uh, the, what happens before you register for payroll, you will have your your filing fee to that agency. Like I said, Massachusetts, 520 bucks for LLCs. Texas is 750. It, it's gonna vary. Some are, are much, much less. So you do have to anticipate some sort of registration fee. And then you have other fees. So if you are going to register with a, a, another state that's not your own, and you don't have a physical location in that state, and you don't wanna use your employee, you'll need a registered agent in that state. So it's a, a company that's designated to receive service of process, lawsuits, all that scary stuff, um, it's it's required. Uh, if you don't have that address, you will have to hire a company to do that. Uh, and then on an ongoing basis, um, the, the annual reporting fees, that's where you're also gonna see some cost. So we have a whole bunch of resources on our site. What does it cost to do all these things in each state? It's publicly available on our information center. Um, I don't great. know if... Yeah, I can I can share a link with you, Mike. You can send it out to your listeners.
0: Yeah, you know um, what? You make sure we that, uh, so we're recording uh, and we'll we'll uh, have this on demand. We'll make sure to have a, a link to your site uh, in the in the notes, so so people have that resource. I, I think that would
1: be very helpful. And then just the ongoing uh, service fees, right? If they're hiring us, they're hiring you, they're hiring somebody else, or or doing it themselves. You have to look at the cost benefit of doing it in house handing it off D- these are all very individualized decisions that a business needs to make understanding what's going to make them efficient get it done right get it done in time um it's again it's it's a cost of doing business and every every organization has to go through that um, i think that's the right way to think
0: analysis. you just have to treat it as a cost of, of doing business um, and it, it's an area where most entrepreneurs and growing companies that, that they don't know what they don't know. Um, And it's while it's true that if you don't have customers, you don't have revenue, none of this matters. And so that clearly should be the, I will say, the priority, but not your sole focus. Um, Because you you don't want to be building a a business, making customers happy, generating revenue, you're generating a profit. And all of a sudden you find yourself out of business because Mm -hmm. you just ignored some of the compliance stuff. It's, you said it perfectly, it's a cost of doing business.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and, no, and it's it, it works both ways, right? We like to frame compliance in a positive light, believe it or not, because it does let organizations pursue those big goals, securing that that huge contract or that customer, hiring that amazing talent. You, you really have to have the, the right skeleton in place to be able to do that. And that's where um, the compliance pieces that we're talking about come in so yeah. we really encourage organizations to be proactive and, and 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 take care of it
0: so you hit on something there i think it's a perfect segue to our last topic um i'm a have been talking about this for years uh uh i'm a huge fan of the flattening of our world uh in our ability to tap into talent um so that if you if you're in a restaurant you it's a it's a it's a Location-based business, right? I, I can't have a server uh, uh, in a different hemisphere uh, serving my customers, so I got to have local employees. Um, but maybe there's back-office function uh, hmm. to my restaurant. Maybe I'm maybe I am an architect, uh, architecture firm. Maybe I'm a software company. Um, uh, and geography doesn't matter. I think I think sometimes people are just still thinking too small, where they think, oh, um, my employees can now work from home. But if they can work from home, they can work from anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for for a long time, people thought, okay, labor arbitrage. I can I can spend twenty cents on the dollar and get this work done in a different country. Um, and and there's there's probably not probably there, there there's a valid reason to do it for cost structure. Frequently, um, I've got a friend who's a CEO of a of a tech company. Um, he just made the declaration that this is what we pay an engineer. And so if you're in Silicon Valley, ah, it's a competitive wage. But if you're in some other parts of the world, you're the richest man in your town. (laughs) But he's just made the declaration that uh, this is how we value engineering talent. And I don't care where you work. I'm looking for the 1% of the 1% most talented engineers Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. And he's crushing it because he has unbelievably talented, uh, skilled employees. I mean, if you you think about Mm. sports, uh, coach and strategy and what plays you call all that stuff matters. The biggest impact is by having the greatest players on the field, right? Um, yep. So there, there, there's my soapbox, but uh, so, so I'm all for hi- hiring people whenever you can, if it's that one percent top talent outside of your traditional model. But there's compliance mm-hmm. impacts. Yes. Yeah. We've got about five minutes here. Get, get, maybe give me give me your closing thoughts on how businesses should be thinking about hiring specifically out of state when it comes to yeah. compliance.
1: Yeah. So first, if I'm talking to the CEO, I'm saying focus on that that hiring that top talent. Do it. Grow. Run. Amazing. But you need to be able to hand off compliance to somebody that's going to ensure it gets done on the back end. Um, And that that could be a variety of of people within the organization and then parts of that can be outsourced. So the, the overall approach needs to be understanding the different components of what we talked about. How do you do that research? How do you know where to go? How do you get it done? How do you track it, right? What are the costs for doing that? And then figuring out who's doing each. It needs to be outlaid a lot of times when you're working across departments, across people, uh, it hasn't been clear up until this point. Now is a great time if you are going to be going on this really bold campaign of hiring those amazing engineers everywhere. Just make sure everybody knows what they're doing. Make sure that there's backup if somebody's supposed to be doing something important to go on vacation, win the lottery. You know, you have some coverage there. That's that's super important. Uh, just like you would for anything else. If you, if you have a, a way that you get your product out the door, you would have a process for that you have to have a process for, for knocking out your compliance requirements,
0: right? That's a really smart way to look at it, I like that. Yeah,
1: Yeah. the, the other thing is, you know, pe- people are always the core, pe- people drive results, but it, it can be supported by technology. So when we talk about keeping track of wh- what your registrations are across states, across entity, tax, license, keeping track of all of those certificates, because your customers, your banks, your vendors are gonna need them, keeping track of all of those registration deadlines as renewals and stuff. You have all these different stakeholders. It's not just HR who's hiring, could be finance, could be tax, could be legal, could be payroll. All these different people need that same information. So bring it in, bring it in. So we've built a cloud-based software that keeps track of all that stuff, all the requirements in every state and lets all those users see what's going on in a central place. and that that takes the business largely off of spreadsheets it it reduces those discrepancies in communication centralizes visibility so if you're in charge mike of that compliance program you can go to the the ceo or you can go to the vice president of business development and say hey yeah we're ready to go here we can bid on that job we can hire that employee there um and that's a much better feeling than not knowing who's handling what being behind the eight ball being you know, re- reactive, whatever idiom you want to use. Um, we, we really want to equip businesses with with the right tools and the right ideas to make this a true program for success.
0: Yeah, you know, the primary purpose of this show is to, is to bring the best information we can to employers to stay compliant and grow their businesses. Um, and this is an area, I, I think, the genesis of why, you know, uh, our, our relationship with our compliance started in the first place is this is just an area we saw our customers struggle with. Yeah, obviously we we handle the tax side and the payroll tax side, um, but uh, we just saw customers struggling with. Um, we would we would generally see someone see someone after they've done their initial entity uh, compliance work, the initial registrations, but it's the ongoing maintenance and renewals of these things that people just struggle with because they're busy right they're they're working their butts off trying to run their businesses grow their companies and and this is just an administrative headache that is difficult for them to keep up on because it's not this instant impact of revenue and it's not this instant uh, impact of an expense um uh so we we, we really appreciate the partnership uh with harvard compliance and appreciate your information today
1: Oh, we we appreciate it as well. We're so glad to be here. Sorry. Oh,
0: by by all means. And if there's any way we can help uh, clients, uh, whether it's uh, 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 state taxation, uh, state tax tax filing, uh, certainly this is core to providing payroll services, but also HR software, time and attendance uh, software that helps you stay uh, compliant with FLSA, overtime rules uh and hr services to, to help make sense of this all. Uh James, I really enjoyed our conversation today. I pr- appreciate the information. Make sure uh we, we capture the link to your site. We're going to include it in follow-up email to uh all attendees today. We'll also include it uh, uh on the on-demand version uh in, in the notes so that everybody can take advantage of uh the free resource and by all means uh anybody who wants to sign up for your services uh, we would encourage them to, them to do so. We won't talk price on, on a show like this, but um, I'll, I'll just say very, very affordable for the high value work that you get. So any anything else you want to say, James? Um,
1: yeah, just on that last point, we're always happy to have a conversation to see how we can help. Every organization is, is different. And, you know, most of the time we're in a, a great position to help. So I appreciate that. Uh, Mike, thank you to you and, and the entire Assure team for having me on today. It was a pleasure. I hope we can, uh, you know, continue to educate and, and help all of these businesses with these these complex challenges. So, really want to
0: thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Until next week, everyone have a good day.